0: How many of you have victory tonight? Amen, amen, amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with all of God's wonderful people. Amen, amen. You can be seated tonight. I'm going to read several verses of Scripture. Amen. Psalms chapter 18 is where I'm going to read my text. I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation tonight. And I'm going to be mindful of your time this evening. Amen. Psalms chapter 18, begin with verse 37, he says, I caught up with my enemies and conquered them and didn't turn back until the war was won. I smashed them to pieces and I finished them once and for all. They're as good as dead. You've placed your armor upon me and made my enemies bow low at my feet. You've made them all turn tail and run. For through you, I've destroyed them all. Not by my own power and my own might, but it's been through you that I've destroyed them all. They shouted for help, but no one dared to rescue them. They cried out to Yahweh, but He refused to answer them. So what did I do? So I pulverized them to powder and cast them to the wind. I swept them away like dirt on the floor. You gave me victory on every side. Now that's a message right there in itself, right there in that verse. You gave me victory on every side. For you make me a leader of nations. Even those I've never heard of come and bow at my feet. As soon as they heard of me, they submitted to me. Even the rebel foreigners obey my every word. Their rebellion fades away as they come near, trembling in their strongholds. They come crawling out of their hideouts, cringing in fear before me. Yahweh lives. Praise is lifted high to the unshakable God, towering over all. My Savior God is worthy to be praised. Look how He pays back harm. To all who harm me. Subduing all who come against me. He rescues me. From my enemies. He lifts me up high. And keeps me out of reach. Far from the grasp of my violent foe. So I thank you Yahweh. With my praise. I will sing my song. To the highest God. So all among the nations. Will hear me. You have given me, your king, great victories. You've always been tender and kind to me, your anointed one, your loving servant David, and to all my descendants. My, how exciting! Praise to Yahweh. Praise to the one that gives me victory. Praise to the one that picks me up and carries me away from my foes and delivers me from the evil. That ought to excite somebody tonight. Tonight, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on this subject. A lifetime of effort. A lifetime of effort. Are there any elders in the building that can testify that says it's taken a lifetime of effort? It's not always easy. It's not always a cakewalk. There's sometimes that it's challenging, but oh, is it worth it? Oh, how wonderful it is to join together and know that you're still here today because you have pressed through some things. And God has carried you and He's helped you and He's warded off enemies that should have taken you out a long time ago. But you kept pressing on and you kept pressing forth and you're here tonight because of the goodness of God. Amen. He knew right off the get-go, this isn't because of me, it's because of you. You're the one that's made this possible. You're the one that's helped me through it all. This psalm that we just read from tonight, you can find the words there also in 2 Samuel chapter 22. Very few words have been changed, however the context is a little different in each. In 2 Samuel 23, it hints that David's words have meaning that extend beyond himself to the Messiah. Here in Psalms, it's referencing the same wording as 2 Samuel 22. But this time, it's referring in some way to that Messiah. David was the Lord's anointed, but the ultimate anointed one is the Messiah. Messiah. So the words here in Psalms are fitting to David as they mirror what David has said in 2 Samuel. But they are even more appropriate and more richly fulfilled in the Messiah and His great victory over all who would oppose Him. And while I love the entire concept of our enemies being smashed to pieces, and I love the thought of being able to just pulverize my adversary. Doesn't that sound good to you tonight? You ever felt that way? I'm not talking about your neighbor. I'm not talking, I mean you just You just wish you could handle business. And God says, you know what? I- I'm gonna let you do that. I don't mean in the flesh. The 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 warfare that we're a part of is not flesh and blood. But we can go to war in the spirit and we can fight in the spirit and we can get down on our knees and we can begin to pray. And while we're praying, we can get some work done. We can put the enemy under our feet. We can pulverize him. We could sweep him like dirt on the ground. We can handle business. And it's not because of us. It's because of him. And while I love the entire concept of being able to handle our enemies, there is something that when I read it in 2 Samuel 22, as well as here in Psalms 18, in the Passion Translation, it says, I caught up with my enemies. I caught up with them. They had a heads up. They had a little bit of an advantage. They had a escape plan and they have made their way away from me. But I caught up to them. I pursued them. I took after them and I conquered them and I did not turn back until the war was won. I pursued the adversary. I didn't relent, I did not hold back, I did not quit praying and quit fasting and quit fighting until I knew that victory was mine, until I knew that the battle had been won. I'm here tonight to tell you it's worth striving for. It's worth giving everything you've got every day. It is worth a lifetime of effort to to know that when you've made it to the end, you can say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I kept the faith. I did everything that I needed to do. And I don't say that to brag. I say that to rejoice because God made it possible. I love this because it does not happen by accident. You don't catch up to your adversary by simply sitting there wishing they come back your way again. You don't hide in the bushes and hide out in the closet hoping that they come to pillage your land once more. If they came and took everything they wanted the first time, they're not coming back. But if you want what the devil took, maybe you need to step up and you need to go running after him and say, I'm not leaving until you give me back everything that you took from me. I'm not relenting until I recover it all. You catch up to them by an all-out pursuit. We need to quit worrying about keeping up with the Joneses and we need to worry about catching up to our enemy. And say, I'm not interested in all of the glamour and all of the lights and all of the things. I'm interested in taking out the very thing that has came and taunted me and my family. And has tried to cause me harm and division. And has tried to take my children out. It's tried to come against my church. It's tried to come against all of these things. I'm not worried about anything else except catching you and destroying you and defeating you. Let's take them out while we've got them on the run. There are some things that caught my attention while reading this. Number one, he was not under the mindset that we live in defense mode. He did not say, let's hunker down and find us a panic room and a place that we can hide out in. We oftentimes do that, though. We simply try to survive. We don't want to cause a scene. And we might be fearful of the outcome. Well, Brother Landon, if I call the devil out, he might send all kinds of his little minions to come out and get me. I might be asking for a fight that I'm not ready for. He might come against my family and my kids. And he might start doing all of these things. And so we live our life in defense mode, hiding out. When he took some stuff that belongs to us. When he's constantly pressing our buttons and coming into our territory and trying to stir up trouble it ought to stir up some of us enough to say, you know what, I'm not hiding out any longer. I'm not living in defense mode. I'm standing up and I'm bowing up. The Bible says that we can put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand the enemy, that we may be able to withstand all of his tactics. But we hunker down and wait until the fight is over. Then we come peeking out. Is everything good now? Is the coast clear? All right, where are you at? Now I'm ready. (laughs) But the problem with that is the enemy is still out there somewhere. The one who's attacked you and attacked your family and attacked your church, he's still able to go out and mess around with other people and he's able to cause problems for somebody else. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus. Came back and he said, God bless you, Simon of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books of teachers. My father in heaven, God himself let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. And this is the rock on which I put together my church. He said, it's a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. I love that. I think that was the message, maybe the passion translation. But the King James says, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We love to quote it, but do we know what it really means? It doesn't mean that that we're sitting there and, oh, well, you know, God's not going to let the gates of hell prevail against me. He's not going to let them come attack me. It's a defense mechanism that God has put there. Read it again in this translation. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. That there would be a church of the living God that is so fired up. That they are so full of energy and passion. That hell's gates are just going to be stomped over. And the church of the living God is going to say, I'm coming into your territory now. And I've come to mess with your agenda and your plan. And you're not going to stop me. Now ask yourself this tonight. Do you feel like you are a church that is so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell would be able to keep you out? Some of you say, Berlin, don't ask me that on Wednesday night. Ask me on Sunday. Right now, I ain't got no energy. But ask me on Sunday morning and I might say yes. But in the spirit, do you feel like you're so fired up when you pray? that when you start worshiping and you know the god that goes before you you just something begins to stir up inside of you you don't care who opposes you you don't care who steps in that ring you don't care what's going to happen you're ready to fight that's what he was saying here is you've got to be ready to just go after him we're not hiding behind a shield while the enemy picks us apart But we're going to make up in our minds that we are going to pursue after our enemies. Number two, he was not satisfied because the enemy was on the run. He didn't say, All right, they're running now. I got them. He wasn't satisfied because they had fled. He wasn't satisfied because they were no longer in his domain. You see, if somebody breaks into my house and they come and steal some stuff from me or cause harm to somebody in my home and they flee, I'm not content. I'm not content going to sleep that night. I'm not content staying there because there's somebody out there who has hurt me and could go hurt somebody else. There's a somebody out there who took something that belonged to me and now he's fleeing. I can't be satisfied with that. That's why we get on the phone and we call somebody and we say, hey, somebody just broke into my home and they're on the run. And there will be an all out pursuit from every officer around that will go and chase after that one until he is subdued until he's in handcuffs, until he's put in the back of that car and behind some bars. There needs to be something that clicks and registers that says we can't just be content knowing that the enemy's just coming to and fro out of our lives and he comes and sits on our pews and he comes and mingles and he comes and hangs... No, you ought to get something inside of you that says I can't let that happen anymore. I'm going to pursue you until you are caught and defeated, He wasn't satisfied with them running. You see, David knocked out a lion and David took out that mighty giant Goliath. And he could have just said, you know what? The stone did a good job. I think that'll suffice. But he said, oh, no, I'm not taking any Chances of this guy getting up with a really bad headache. Because if he wakes up. If he sits up. He's coming for me. So I'm going to handle business right here and right now. I'm not delaying till Sunday. I'm not waiting until pastor's here to hold me, my hand. I'm going to take this guy's sword. And I'm going to cut the problem right here and right now. Because I'm not facing this guy later on down the road. He took out a bear. And if you're going to take down somebody, you better take them out, especially a bear. Alaska's national website, you can go and it tells you all about the wonderful bears you can see in Alaska. They tell you what to do if you see a bear. What things you should expect from said bear. Maybe he's a cute, cuddly bear that just wants your picnic basket. Or maybe he wants you. And on their website, it says, if you have to take out a bear, be sure that you shoot to kill. Because a wounded bear is far more dangerous than a healthy bear. I wonder just maybe that David probably had that same mindset. That I can't just be content knowing that they're wounded. I can't be content knowing that they're just, you know, stumbling and I've got them on the run. But I've got to make sure that I take them out. Because the last thing I want is to stir up a bear and get them angry. And then me turn my back thinking everything's okay. And the moment that I turn my back, I'm consumed and devoured by the thing I should have taken out. We've got to quit being content getting the enemy on the run. And having a great Sunday night service. And then letting our foot off the gas and saying, whoo, we got the devil on the run. I'm tired of the devil being on the run. I'm ready for us to put him under our feet and say, you're not going to mess with my family. You're not going to mess with my stuff. You're not going to mess with my church. I'm here to serve notice that I'm not going to stop until the battle is won. I'm not going to stop until I have taken you out and defeated you. Number three, he was dedicated to the pursuit. When the enemy has a head start, you may have to Travel a little further than you would like to travel. You may have to pick up the pace a little faster than you think that you can handle. Because he's already got a head start on you. And if you're just walking the same pace that he's walking, you're never going to catch him. It's going to require you to push away from the plate and say, If I stop to eat, then that's going to give him an opportunity to go a little further. So I'm not gonna eat right now. I'm gonna keep pursuing. I I can't stop to play games. I've gotta keep pursuing. Come on, pick up the pace. We got somewhere we gotta, we got some ground we've gotta make up. I'm not satisfied until I catch up to those guys up there. If we've gotta wake up early and burn daylight, then so be it. There's an enemy out there that I'm not satisfied just sitting back. I'm committed to the pursuit. You may have to press on when you feel like pressing pause. When you just say, I just, my feet are tired. Oh, I'm weary. I'm worn out. I I am too. But there's sometimes it's worth the effort showing up on Wednesday night and saying, I can't just be lax. I can't just sit at home and and not be faithful to church. I, I need this. I need to do everything I can to make sure that I'm pressing on because there's somewhere I've got to be and some things I've got to accomplish. He said, it's not enough just to catch up to them. He said, "Once you do, you have to conquer them." He didn't say, "I caught up with them and went na 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 na." Showed them who's boss, just so I could tell them I know where they're at. No, he said, "I went and I conquered them all, and I didn't stop until the battle was won." Right. That brings us to point number four. He did. What needed to be done. Until. The battle was won. Until. That's a powerful word. I'm going to keep praying. Until. I'm going to keep fasting. Until. I'm going to keep showing up. Until. I'm going to keep witnessing. Until. I'm going to keep living for God. Until. Far too many times. We have advanced and pursued and we've gained ground only to become content and lax. Early in February, pastor talked to us about that word pursue. Pursuing doesn't happen on its own. Pursuing happens when you make up in your mind, you are going to go after something. That you have your mind made up. I don't care what the cost is. I don't care what may come my way. I am going to get the job done. Getting caught up is going to require dedication and determination in us. He could have just told us the next verses. He could have told us all about how he defeated his enemies. He could have told us all the things that he did. And just completely bypass that verse. But he wanted somebody to know. First you've got to catch up. First you've got to get to where they are. They don't just come to you and walk into your little trap. You've got to pursue them and chase them down until you take them out. There is something to be said about being dedicated in your pursuit. Of the things that have set themselves to destroy you. It requires a daily investment. It takes consistency every day until you handle business. Well, I've been going, I've been chasing, I've been running after that devil and I still ain't caught him. I've been chasing after my enemy and I've been trying to get to that place. Well, that's all right. Keep trying, keep moving forward, keep pressing on. Because consistency is something that we know is important. But consistency is something that we sometimes despise. Because we get bogged down by doing the same thing over and over and over again. You say, Brother Landon, isn't that what they say insanity is? Is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results? Well, I can tell you tonight, consistency can sometimes feel like insanity, until. It can sometimes wear you down and cause you to question if what you're doing really matters, until. Consistency sometimes does drive you crazy, until something does break until somebody does run through that back door and come down to the altar, until somebody does get the Holy Ghost in a prayer room or at a Bible study, it doesn't always make sense until somebody shows up and asks to be baptized in Jesus' name. And then when that happens, you can sit there and you can say, I'm so thankful I didn't stop. I'm so thankful I didn't give up. I'm so thankful I've been consistent. It's all worth the Effort now, because it happened. I've shared this story before, but this guy he brought a boulder into the locker room, and they started chiseling away, and he had this guy come that was going to sculpt something, and every day these players would come into that locker room and they would watch this guy chipping here and chipping there, and every day it just looked like he was just chipping little bitty pebbles off this boulder, and they thought well that that's not doing anything. it still looks like it did last week. What is he even doing? And he's sitting there and chiseling here and chiseling there. And then one day, he hit that chisel. And what he had been sculpting, the whole rock crumbled. And what was there was a work that was already way down the progress. Just from him chipping a little way here and a little way there. And when it finally unfolded and when it finally fell apart, they sat there and said, Wow, how did he do that? It didn't happen with that one blow. It doesn't happen with that one time and that one prayer. Sometimes it takes consistency. It takes a chipping away every day saying, I'm not going to stop until something breaks. Until it all begins to make sense and happen. The words that are synonymous with consistency are unfailing. The same, unchanging, true, steady, persistent, dependable, resilient, faithful, and intentional. Now who wouldn't want to be consistent? Who wouldn't want to be dependable? The Bible says His Lord said unto Him at the end, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Servant. The one that's been consistent, the one that's been there through it all, well done. And because you've been consistent, because you've been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. We talked about it a couple Wednesday nights ago in Titus chapter 2. He says, show a pattern of good works. Let your life show that this is just consistently who you are. This isn't just somebody you are on Wednesday and Sunday, but this is who you are on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. You're going to be who you are every day of the week. All healthy relationships are built on consistent patterns. In order for there to be a healthy relationship, there must be consistency. Now, I can't speak for Dr. Hughes over here, but I'm sure he's had to sit in some counseling where there was a husband and wife across from him on the table that says, well, they don't they just don't love me like they used to. They don't talk to me the way that they used to. We don't go on dates like we used to. The fire doesn't burn like it used to. And that happens not because the person has necessarily changed, but it's because the consistency has changed or the perception of said consistency. Sometimes I wonder if we take God's goodness and his faithfulness for granted and we sometimes forget how consistent he is. Scripture says in him is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. It says, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I am the Lord, I change not. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who is consistent. That He's dependable, and that He is faithful. And that He has made all of this possible tonight. But how would we respond if tomorrow God decided when you woke up, He said, you know what? I think they can manage without me for a few days. Without my covering, without my hand and protection, without my healing and without my influence on their life. I think I'm just going to go on strike for a few days. That would hurt. I can't imagine the calamity that would ensue in our lives. Because God's hand is not just on us. He, he, he's reaching out for everybody. Everybody. And if God just completely threw up His hands and said, You know what, I'm just going to turn my back on all them and let them have at it. What kind of chaos would ensue? If God decided tomorrow, I'm not going to be consistent. I'm not going to make the effort. I'm not going to do that anymore. Let's just see how that goes. One of the reasons that people love God and have chose to serve Him is because they know He is consistent. They know that He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. They know that through it all, He'll always be there. And He'll never leave them nor forsake them. They can trust Him simply because He is consistent. Remember, this writing was not just about David, but the Messiah as well. That He too would not stop until the battle was won. He too would go all the way to the cross... And he could have shown up in the flesh and had the enemy shaking in his boots and said, All right, I got him on the run now. Y'all have fun. But he had to be committed and go all the way to the finish. Because anything in life that matters will require consistency. Relationships, jobs, your prayer life, your health, it requires consistency. There's another word that must be accompanied here with consistency, and that word is endure. That word means to remain, to abide, to not recede or flee. I'm not running away from this. I'm not backing away from this. But I'm going to endure. I'm going to stand and I'm going to fight. I'm going to stay and I'm going to pray. I'm going to be committed all the way to the end. That even when things get tough, even when the enemy you are pursuing begins to turn around and throw spears your direction, you fight your way through it until the job is done. James 5 and 10 in the Passion says, My brothers and sisters, take the prophet as your mentor. They have prophesied in the name of the Lord. And it brought them great suffering. Yet they patiently endured. We honor them as our heroes. Because they remained faithful. Even while enduring great sufferings. And you have heard all that Job went through. And we can now see that the Lord ultimately treated him with wonderful kindness. Revealing how tender hearted he really is. In Joshua He charges them in chapter 23 and he says, Now stay strong and steady. Obediently do everything written in the book of the Revelation of Moses. Don't miss a detail. Don't get mixed up with the nations that are still around. Don't speak the name of their gods and don't worship them or praise them, whatever you do. But he says, hold tight to God. Your God, just as you've done up to now. What is he saying? He's saying, don't stop doing what you've been doing because it's kept you this far. Don't you quit giving up because you've gotten here because of what you've been holding on to and who you've been holding on to and it has brought you to this place. In Paul's final charge to Timothy, he tells him, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom hast learned them. You keep doing what you've been doing. You keep holding on to what you've been taught from the beginning. In Daniel 6, when Daniel learned the decree that was signed and posted, the Bible says he threw in the towel and, and conceded and said, you're right, I'll just go home. No, because consistency matters. Your faithfulness and dedication matters. And I want, I want to show you this. I thought it was so wonderful. He continued to pray just as he had always done. His house had windows in the upstairs that opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he knelt there in prayer, thanksgiving and praising his God. Every day he was consistent. And then you go down to verse 16 and it says, Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, and they cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest," Continually will deliver thee. Even the king took notice of his consistency. Even the king said, you know what, I think because you've been so faithful to him, I truly believe he's going to be faithful to you. I don't know how all of this is going to turn out, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I saw you praying even when we told you not to pray. I saw you going to church when you had every reason not to go to church. I saw you being faithful, and because of your faithfulness, I want you to know, Daniel, thy God who... Now, service continually, He will deliver you. It's gonna happen. I don't know why I feel that, but I'm just gonna speak it in faith. I know we're throwing you into a den of lions, but I just believe God is gonna be faithful to you. Let's all stand all over this house. In Acts 1 and 14, He says, They agreed. They were in this for good. They made up in their mind, we're not turning back, we're not backing down, we're in this for good. Look at your neighbor, say, I'm in this for good. Acts 12 and 16, but Peter continued knocking. When did he continue knocking? After the door had just been shut in his face. They'd been praying for a miracle and the miracle showed up. They opened the door, "Ah!" shut the door right in his face. He could have said, oh, well, but he said, no, I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to keep knocking until somebody opens the door. The prophet didn't get the answer from the messenger he wanted on the first try. So he said, go back again. Go back again. You you don't come. You come back and you keep going until you come back and tell me there's a cloud. And he comes back and he says, well, I I see a little cloud. Woo. That's it. That's all I needed right there. Your consistency will pay off. You keep going back and you keep looking and you keep praying and it's going to pay off eventually. The passion translation, Paul said, I admit I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. Not that I've pursued. I'm not done. I know I'm old, but I'm not done pursuing God. He said, but I run with passion Into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me to take. To make me his own. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. Kind of like David said. This isn't on my own. However, I do have one compelling force. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. And I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal. And gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. A lifetime of effort. Although to the Philippian church Paul was a spiritual giant. He had admitted that he continued to strive. To attain greater sanctification in Christ. Sanctification is a continuous work. And he said you know what becoming Christ like is an enormous challenge. That requires a lifetime of effort. Caught up tells me at one time he was behind, but he finally gained ground and got to where he wanted to be. He was persistent in his spirit and he was determined in his mind to not stop until the job was done. Scripture says ask and it shall be given, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened. Those words there mean knock and you keep knocking. Ask and you keep asking. Seek and keep on seeking until you find it, until it's opened. Amen. It's continual. You don't make up in your mind to pursue and then the next day the fight is over. You pursue until. Two frogs fell into a deep cream bowl. One was a wise and cheery soul. The other one took a gloomy view and bade his friend a sad adieu. Said the other frog with a merry grin, I can't get out, but I won't give in. I'll swim around till my strength is spent, and then I will die all the more content. And as he swam, though ever it seemed, his struggling began to turn the cream. Until on top of butter he stopped, and out of the bowl he quickly hopped. The moral you ask, oh, it's easily found. If you can't get out, just keep swimming around. Consistency pays off. It may seem like a lifetime of effort, but you keep on moving and you keep on stirring and you keep on walking and say, I'm not going to stop until I've caught up to where I'm trying to be. I'm not going to quit praying until my babies are back in a church sitting on a pew. I'm not going to stop fasting until that breaks in the spirit realm. I'm not going to give up hope until it happens. I'm going to see this through until the battle Is one. Let's lift our hands all over this house. Father we love you tonight. I pray God that there would be a resiliency among these people a determination in their spirit that we're going to fight and we're going to pray and we're going to press. God, that we're going to pursue until we catch up with our adversary and the very thing that is meant to distract us. God, we have had enough. God, I speak in faith right now that there is warriors rising up that are not going to stop until it happens. That they're not going to quit until the battle. Battle is won. God, you went all the way to the cross and declared it is finished. It is done. It is paid for. God, tonight I pray that you would help us to have that same drive and ambition, God, that you had, that David had. Let it be in us also that we will not stop until the battle is won. God, we thank You for being with us tonight. We pray that we would go in Your strength and that You would make it all possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Come on, somebody let out a shout of victory in this place. Woo! Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness to the house of God. Remember our announcements. Amen. Grab somebody tonight and tell them, I'm in this for good. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening. We'll see you Sunday.